Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. And stood in our place in that way. Um, come on, who's excited to be at church today? Anybody excited to be at church today? Anybody? Do we have any Jesus followers in the room today? Come on. <laughs> Hopefully you shout louder for following Jesus than you do being excited about church. Come on, that's what it's all about. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. Um, hey, I want to make mention of a couple of things really quick or a few things before we get into the message today. Men's breakfast this coming Saturday. If you are a guy, I would, I would highly encourage you to be here. I'd encourage you to come to every single one, but this Saturday at 8 a.m., uh, it's going to be a little bit extended from what it normally is because Doug Reed, uh, many of you know him, but he's going to be in, and one of the things he's going to be pouring into our men on Saturday morning for a couple of hours. And so uh, I would encourage you to be here. If you're a guy, and bring somebody with you. Come on, locate somebody that's uh, even a part of our church that uh, has never been to a men's breakfast, haven't been in a while, and invite them to come sit with you. Uh, maybe somebody that you work with or whatever. I believe it's going to be, uh, I was talking to him this, this last week, and I believe that's going to be powerful what he's going to speak to us as men. So this coming Saturday at 8 o'clock, be here. We're going to have a great breakfast, a great time. Uh, learning and growing and fellowshipping together. It's going to be awesome. So be here this coming Saturday. Child dedications are coming up on November the 21st, so two weeks from today. Uh, go online, go on the app and register if you have a child that you want to have dedicated to the Lord. We're going to set aside time to do that. And uh, we just want to be prepared for you. So if you'll register and let us know, uh, that, that would help us out greatly. Ladies Night is coming up on Saturday, November the 20th. From 4 to 7 at Andrea Dale's home. Uh, so we want you to save that day. Come on, I snuck in. Uh, I served a little bit at the last ladies' night that was here at the church. And, uh, man, I was a little bit jealous of how much fun you ladies have when you get together. Come on, <laughs> there's, about, there's about, you know, 60, 70 ladies gathered in this room, and y'all were just having a good time. So uh, I was a little bit jealous, but that's all right. So save the date, Saturday, November the 20th. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time. You'll want to be there uh, and have fun together. And then... Uh, a, a couple of new, a couple of things. Holiday serve opportunities. You've been hearing of one, so we've been talking about Thanksgiving baskets, and it's something that we do every year where we can bless families in our community with a Thanksgiving meal that may not otherwise get one. And so uh, it's awesome that we're able to do that, and it's awesome that you guys are always able to be a part of that, and you always step up and and serve in that way. And so you can see on your way out today if you haven't looked at it already. We've had a lot of people sign up, but uh, people that there's different options. You can cook a turkey. You can just go buy a turkey. You can buy the sides and things that go with it. All different things. You can be somebody who delivers. Uh, it'll be the day before Thanksgiving when all these are delivered, so that they'll be there uh, for these families to be able to enjoy on Thanksgiving Day. And so, whatever it is, whatever capacity you feel led to to be a part, we would encourage you to do that. Sign up so we know that that is covered and that's being taken care of. And then something, uh, another holiday serve opportunity. We really. Um, if you've been a part of our church, we kind of just try to focus in on a couple of things during the holidays because we know times are busy and people are traveling and all of this, but we still want to be a blessing in our community because uh, we believe God put us here to do that. And so uh, we're going to do uh, an event that we're calling Share the Hope on Saturday, December the 11th. And last year, 
we set up, before this building was, was renovated, we set up out here in the parking lot and we had people driving through and we were giving away pillows and blankets and socks and all of these things for people that, that just needed them. We just put the word out and said, hey, if you need this, we're going to be here from this time to this time. And we had so, I mean, those things were gone in, in just a short amount of time. And we had like two, three hundred and something of them, you know, each thing. And it was just gone in a moment, it seemed like. And so this year, we're going to even take it a step farther, and we're going to do that, but we're going to do it more in the context of where we can love on people in the process. And so uh, we're kind of turning it into an event that hopefully will have some community participation, uh, but we're still going to give away items like that to be a blessing in our community, but at the same time, uh, we're going to have games and bounce houses and food and different things for kids and families to be able to come and hang out for an hour or two, and we can love on them and talk to them and give them things that they need. And uh, we just think it's going to be a it's going to be a great thing uh, that that we're going to be able to uh, even invite them to come out and be a part of Christmas services where they can hear the gospel and 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 what Jesus has done for them. And we're just really looking forward to it on Saturday, December 11th. So we're going to be giving you a lot more details in the next couple of weeks. But we wanted you to go and have the date so you can save the date. And that's going to be like a late morning, right around lunchtime thing. So probably 10 to 12, 11 to 1, somewhere in there. Uh, and and it's going to be an awesome time. Um, so we want you to, to make plans in the next few weeks. There'll be items out here. If you want to donate items that we're going to give away, we'll have, you know, we'll, we'll put those out there where you can do that. If you want to give financially and just say, hey, I want somebody to just go buy the pillows for me, but I'll donate the money, we can do that as well. Or you can show up and serve on that day and just love on people and just share hope. How many of you know that we have hope? We have hope. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you have the hope of salvation. The, you, you know that, that your ultimate hope is in Jesus, and so we want to share that with our community. Amen? And so that's what we're going to be doing. And then the last thing, tonight is our fall festival. And so from 4 to 7 at the McLaughlin's home, the address is right behind me. And so if you want to jot that down or put that in your Maps app, whichever one you use, you can also put it in. Um, as 845 Northwoods Road. And so this is just north of Powderly. It's in Powderly, but just a little bit north um, of Powderly after you go past the school. And so it's just like maybe a half mile or so off of Highway 271. Great location. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, hayride, food, fellowship, uh, some games, inflatables for the kids. Uh, we're going to have a lot of stuff. I'm probably forgetting something, but just it's just going to be an opportunity. This is why we do this. It's just an opportunity for us to get together as a church family. And you can bring somebody with you. That's fine. But get together as a church family and just have time where we can love on each other and have fun together and have fellowship together. And so we have a lot of fun uh, just hanging out around the fire and, and just, uh, just being a part of each other's lives in that way. So uh, that's awesome, and I know I'm, I'm saying a lot, we're going to get into the message in just a moment, but i got to let you know one more thing because it's exciting news. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been working on, uh, many of you know that uh, the property that is behind where I'm standing, this, this building over here, and uh, all of this land back here that is, is ours, so this whole area right here the church owns. And so uh, we're going to be doing our first renovation and remodel in a part of this building here, and it's going to be for our kids. And so... Uh, uh, our church has been growing, our kids' ministries have been growing, and so what we have a vision to do 
is be able to create more space so that we can so that we can uh, better split up the age groups of kids and have adequate space in the classrooms. And so this over here is going to be renovated for uh, the junior high and uh, student ministry and iClub ministry so that they'll be gathering over there. It's going to be a much larger space than what they have access to right now. And it's going to open up uh, ways for us to be able to do kids ministry even better and love on your kids and pour into them. So yeah, it's exciting. We're excited about what God is doing and uh, how he's providing along the way. And so I uh, wanted to let you know that. And then next weekend, man, I'm excited about the holiday season and and uh, I, I almost can't, like, I love the holiday season, but I almost can't stand uh, waiting for January because I know, our, I know what God's speaking to our church for 2022, but I'm not going to tell you yet. But on Vision Weekend, we do that every year, and I'm excited about that because, uh, man, it's powerful, and I believe God's got some great things in store for us uh, in the next year. So uh, it's going to be awesome. Today is kind of a standalone message. Uh, where I'm just going to share something that God has put on my heart with you, and we just come out of a series where we went through the book of Ephesians. Come on, is that helpful for anybody? And this is kind of on the tail end of that, and I believe it's something that, that the Lord uh, wanted me to speak on that's going to be very practical, but at the same time challenge you. And so that's what I want to do today. Uh, and I'm going to begin in Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7, we're going to read 10 verses and uh, we'll talk about it for just a few moments and see what, what God wants to do and how he wants to challenge us today. Uh, starting in verse 1, Ezra chapter 7, starting in verse 1, says, Many years later, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, there was a man named Ezra. He was the son of Sariah, son of Azariah, son of Hilkiah, son of Shalom. Come on, if you were looking for some kids' names, just, <laughs> just focus in on verses 1 through 5, and, and you can find whatever you need. Son of Zadok, son of... Ahitub, son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Marioth, son of Zerahiah, son of Uzai, son of Bukai, son of Abishua, son of Phineas, son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the high priest. Now, basically what he's doing is he's making the point that this guy's in line to be a priest. So Aaron was the first uh, priest in the Old Testament, if you, if you study that out. And he's saying, hey, this guy was in the line uh, all the way back to Aaron. And so that's the point that he's making really there. And then it says, Then this Ezra was a scribe who was well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. How many of you would like to say uh, and have somebody write about you that the gracious hand of the Lord your God, they watched you and they were like, man, God's hand is on that person. That's what is being said about Ezra. It says, some of the people of Israel, as well as some of the priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, traveled up to Jerusalem with him in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes' reign. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in August of that year. He had arranged to leave Babylon on April the 8th, the first day of the new year, and he arrived at Jerusalem on August 4th, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. There it is again. Verse 10, this was because, everybody say, this was because... Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this title today, All Because. All Because. Anybody ever had an all because moment? You look back at something in your life and you're like, wow, that happened all because of this. That, that transpired all because this happened. That I met that person. Come on, some of you have this story with your spouse. I know I do. I met that person all because 
of this. There was something that led to something else. And so uh, just to give you a little bit of background really briefly and then we'll dive in today. Uh, If you read the book of Ezra in the Bible, between chapter 6 and chapter 7, there's 57 years that have gone by. And so when when you're reading through the Bible, uh, it's interesting to know things like this because it helps you better understand what's going on in the Bible. And even instances in the New Testament, when we've broken things into chapters and verses and this and that, it's important to know like this was one entire letter that was written to this group of people that is better even to be read as a whole thing, you know, all at one time because it all ties in together. And things are being referenced in chapter 5 that were from chapter 1, you know, because it was all one letter. And in this context, the, the, first, the first half of this book and this story is talking about uh, the Israelites. So the Israelites have, uh, they've been into the promised land. And they disobey God and God has mercy and they disobey God and God has mercy and they disobey God and God has mercy and they've been exiled. And so they're in this place that they don't really want to be in because of the decisions that they've made and how they haven't really trusted God along the way. And so the first half of this book is about this first generation of of people that are coming back to the land that they were supposed to be in, right? And so then we pick it up and Ezra is introduced in chapter 7 and he has plans to bring another group of people Right? Another caravan of people back to the land that God had given to his people. And so he's, bringing, he's wanting to bring these people back. And as I was reading these ten verses, I noticed a few things that I think will be helpful for us today. The first one that jumped out to me was the word hand. And two times, one in verse 6, one in verse 9, it's, it, the writer makes a point to say the hand of God was on Ezra. The first one, it says, you know, that the king gave him everything that he needed, everything that he wanted, so that he could do what he was setting out to do. It says, the hand of God was on him. And then in verse 9, it tells us again, after this journey, it says, for the gracious hand of his God was on him. And so, uh, this word hand, I kind of studied it a little bit to see what... (laughs) What is it that was actually on him? Because we we see this and we think, well, the hand of God was on him. And we can kind of fill in the blank with what we think. But I found it interesting. There are a lot of different ways that this word is translated. The word in Hebrew that is used here is the word yod. And it can actually be translated, it's translated in a bunch of different ways. But there are some primary ways in the Bible that we translate this word from Hebrew. And it's translated as power, as direction, as means, as authority, or as strength, along with the hand of God. And so as I was looking at this, I thought, wow, in this story, we see that the hand of God was on Ezra, which means, in other words, we could say it was like the power of God was on him. Or the strength of God, or the direction of God, or the means. Come on, how many of you want the means of God, right? Like God owns it all, and you want the means of God, on your life and all these different ways that this is translated and in this verse is translated as hand but it can but it can mean like strength and means and direction and power and all of these things and if you're like me after reading this i began to ask this question why if it makes a point to to say twice that the hand of god was on his life was on him and what he was doing then it makes me ask the question why what is it that was causing 
God's hand to be, you know, it's like God is giving him strength and God is giving him power and he's on him. And I know there's a difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament because in the New Testament, Jesus has come and he's died and he was, he was resurrected and he's gone back to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit and so the Holy Spirit will never leave us, never forsake us compared to the Old Testament where you can read that the Holy Spirit fell on them or the Holy Spirit you know, like rested on this person or the Holy Spirit was with this person, but the Holy Spirit was not living inside of us as believers because Jesus had not done what he needed to do, what he came to do. And so I I understand all that, but I was thinking there's got to be, like there's a connection between them, between the writers saying that the hand of God was on him. And then I read in in, in verse 10 what I think was, was the connection. And I read it in a few different translations, and we'll get into some of those in just a moment. But why is it mentioned a few times that the hand of God was on him? I think that it has to do with his character, and it has to do with the fact that Ezra was about what God was about. So it makes a point to say, listen, the hand of God was on him. This was because he was about what God was about. He was about the things that God was about. And I, I started to think, what would our lives look like? And what would our world look like if we just became people that we're just going to be about what God's about? I'm not going to make it about me. Because it's not about me anyway. But I just want to live my life being about the things that God is about. And I think that's what Ezra was doing. That Ezra... He, he wanted to restore the heart of the Israelites to God. And so he's like, hey, we need to go back. He's trying to bring these people back to where they were intended to be. And some of them have lived off for so long that they may not even know the depths of the things that God did for his people and all of this. And so he is trying to do some things to restore the heart of the people, the Israelites in this story, to God. And I think the same should be said about us. That I think the hand of God is on people who their heart is to restore other people's hearts to God. Like, how can I bring other people to know God? How can I live my life in a way that restores your heart and your heart and your heart to God? And you better understand what it is that God did for you and what the gospel means for you. And so I think this is a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a man or a woman of God. And then in verse 10 which is where we're going to spend the the rest of our time. Verse 10 points out three things that Ezra did that I believe in this context ultimately brought the hand of God. And I think think that God honors this in us. I think if we could learn to really do these things and, and really hone in on these things, I think that it would change us. I think that God would, I think that we would be more open to what it is that God was doing in our lives if we would do certain things like Ezra did. Um, these, In fact, the New Living Translation, listen, it says that he had determined to do these things. We read that one. The Amplified Bible says that he had set his heart to do these things. So it says the hand of God was on him for he had set his heart to do these three things. The New Century Version says that he had worked hard to do these things. Like he was making a point that he wanted to do these things and so here is number one and this is going to be very practical but we're going to go in a little bit deeper into it and I think it's going to help us today here's point number one the first thing Ezra did that we need to do is study the word study the word now I want to I want to take a moment 
Because I think that we have done a disservice in some regards to how we communicate this sometimes. Because we have said things like, anybody ever said this? Like, read the word. I know I have. Read the word. And reading the word is good. But it makes a point to say that Ezra was a man who studied the word. In this context, the law. In our context, it would be the entire, the entire Bible. He studied it. So it got me to thinking, how many of you have ever read a book? Anybody ever read a book? Some of you are like, I'm not a reader. You've read a book. Anybody ever read a book and then somebody asked you and they were like, hey, did you read that book? You know, maybe they recommended the book and you're like, hey, did you read that book? And you're like, yeah, it was awesome. Wasn't it good? Oh, yes, it was so good. What was it about? And you're like, I don't remember. (laughs) I know it felt good while I was reading it, but I couldn't tell you what it's about. Anybody ever remember? Come on, we're going to take it back for a minute. Anybody remember when you were in school? And you had to read some books. When I was in school, we did what was called Accelerated Reader. I found out in the first service that this is still something that goes on today, Accelerated Reader. right? And you would have to read so many books. And depending on the, the difficulty of the book and the length of the book, it was worth more points or less points. And you had to have so many points by the end of the semester. And I remember going through this process and reading all of these books. But how many of you know there's a difference between reading and studying? So we've all established there are many of us in the room that have read a book before, and many of us could probably not tell you what that book was about. But has anybody ever done a book report? How many of you know there's a difference in how you prepare for reading a book and doing a book report? Because when you are doing a book report, I remember we would set aside an entire class period. At that time, I don't know what they are now, but at that time it was like 50 minutes long, and we would be in the library. And we're studying, and we're pulling things out, and we're researching, we're doing all this, we're writing things down. Why? Because we knew there were some things that we needed to know about the book. And so we would study the book. Like, I need to know who the character is. I need to know why that's important. I need to know what they ended up doing. I need to know how the story turned out. I need to know all of these details so that I can communicate this in a report to my teacher, to the person who has assigned this to me. And I started thinking, how many of us, how many of us, there are some of us, I believe, that we struggle to read the Bible, period. And then there are others that we read it to check off a box because somebody said, well, you need to read the Bible, you need to read the Bible, you need to read the Bible. But how many of you have actually taken the time to study God's Word? Because I would venture to say, and I would submit to you today, that it would be better for you to spend the next week on ten verses And know what God is saying to you through those 10 verses than for you to read 10 chapters and look back and think, I really don't know what I read. We we need to study. And and it made a point to say that Ezra was a he was a man says this was because one of the things he studied. He wanted to know that he knew, 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 and his knower. That he he knew what the word said. He knew who he was. He knew what the instruction was. It says that this was because Ezra had determined to study. And so the Hebrew word that we translate as study here is the word, it means to inquire, to search, or to seek. 
doesn't that change the way when you open up your Bible now or you open up the Bible app, however you, however you read God's Word, doesn't it change when you open it up and you think, wow, here's what, I, here's what I need to do. I need to inquire, I need to search, and I need to seek. And I know there are some of us, we've, we've, we've read the Bible, and then after you read it for like a week, you're like, see, that's why I don't read the Bible, because I don't understand it. There are resources to help you understand it. There are certain types of Bibles that will help you understand it. There are commentaries that will help you understand it. Listen, here's where I think the, here's where I think the dividing line is. We've got to be willing to put in the time. We've got to be willing to sit down and say, you know what? I want to know what God's Word says, and I want to know it. I want it to be in my heart. I want to know who I am. I want to know what God did for me. I want to know that I know that I know. And so I'm going to take the time and I'm going to break it open and I'm going to study it and I'm going to figure out, I'm going to get some resources to where I can figure out what was going on during that time. What was this being written about during that time so that you can get the context. Listen, it changes the way that you read the Word of God when you, when you understand what was going on, when you know the overall storyline of the Bible. But we've got to take the time to study and I think we've, we've done a disservice sometimes by saying, well, you need to read the Bible, you need to read the Bible. Well, you do need to read the Bible, but you need to know what the Bible says. You need to study and know, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? Um, Joshua 1.8, the very first part of it, when Joshua is taking over for Moses. Moses has died, and God comes to Joshua and says, hey, Moses is dead. Now you are the one. You're going to lead him into the promised land. And here's the instruction that he gives him. One of the things he says, he says, study this book of instruction continually. Study it, know it, memorize it. I mean, be able to quote it, know what it means and how to communicate it to somebody else. You need to study it continually. You study something because you know that there's something that you need to get out of it. If I believe that I need something, there's something about the Word of God that is so powerful and I need it in my life, then I will read it to study it to get out what I need so that it will change my life. The Amplified Bible, it even translates it this way. It says that Ezra studied and interpreted the Word. He studied and he interpreted what does it mean and then it made me ask the question, well, why is it so important that we study the Word? And many of you know these verses, but it's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to do what? To teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Come on, there's a reason why some of us don't like it. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. And look at verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What is God trying to use to prepare and equip you? His word. His word. You don't feel prepared. Are you in the word? I just don't feel equipped. Are you in the word? Are you studying the word? I want to challenge you to do more than just read the Bible to check off a box, but to actually study it and to inquire and to search and to seek it out. And then here's the second thing that we see that Ezra did that I think is important for us to do, and it's to practice the word. Somebody say practice. practice. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. 
the first part of it, it says, For Ezra had firmly resolved to study the law of the Lord and to practice it. Some translations say obey it. He had firmly resolved, I need to study this and I need to do what it says. I need to practice it. And it made me think, how often do we hear something or read something that is important information, but then we don't apply it, right? <laughs> we hear things like, I jotted down a few that, that I know I've heard that are hard for me to apply. If, if you want to truly get in shape, it's 80% about what you eat, more than it is about exercise. And we hear that and we're like, wow, that's really good. And then we do nothing with it, <laughs> right? Or another one, I was thinking, if you want to feel your best, drink half of your weight in ounces of water each day. And then, and then there are people like me that at the end of the day, you're like, have you drank any water? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> right? We, like, we know that these things are good for us, but we don't necessarily apply them. Or if you want to get better at whatever your purpose is or whatever you're doing, practice behind the scenes. Right? It's what goes on behind the scenes that makes you ready for what's out in front of people. It's the practicing it. And our kids are, are starting basketball up, and they've been practicing over the last month, and our younger ones are just now starting to practice. And how many of you know that in, in sports, really in any sport, there's a coach, and the coach has the plan, and the coach has the instruction. But if the players don't take the plan and the instruction and apply it and actually do it and practice it, it does not make any difference in the game. And there are many of us that what it is is whenever you study God's word and you practice God's word and you apply God's word to your life and you begin to do what God's word says to do, that's what makes the difference in your life. If you just read it just to check off a box to say I have read it, but you don't apply it or do anything with it, it doesn't really make that much difference in your life. It's whenever you put it into practice. Not just studying it, but then practicing what it says. James 1 verses 22 through 25, it says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And then the rest of Joshua 1.8, the instruction that God gave to Joshua, always remember what is written in the book of the teaching. Study it day and night to be sure to obey everything that is written there. If you do this, you will be wise and successful in everything. Wise and successful in everything. What if, just submit a question to you, what if, we stopped trying to change God's word and allowed God's word to change us. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says that it, it brings to light our innermost desires, right? It's, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It exposes our inner thoughts and our inner desires. It it separates the spirit from the flesh. That's what the word of God does. So instead of us trying to change the word, what if we just allowed the word to do what the word was intended to do, and as we study it and as we apply it, it begins to change me. 
from the inside out. Now I operate differently. I believe differently. I have a different perspective. I do things differently because I've allowed the word to do what the word was intended to do. I've allowed it to do what it was meant to do. So we've got to study God's word, practice God's word. This is what it points out. It makes a point to say these are things that Ezra did. And then here's the third one, and we'll end with this, is teach the word. Teach the word. Well, Pastor Gabe, I don't stand up in front of people, and I don't, you know, they're not people that gather together to hear me talk about the word. That's not what it means. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm saying teach the word. We're all called to share the word, to share the gospel, to share our story and our testimony. Listen, you may not, you may not be standing on a platform, but you're around some people at work that God has put you there. And he says, hey, you need to study and you need to practice it and apply it to your life. And so that you can communicate it, not only by your words, but you can communicate it and teach it to people. And they don't even know they're being taught. And you walk into work every, work every day and you're like, <laughs> they don't know it today, but I'm going to teach them something. Just by the way that I live, by the way that I communicate, by the way that I work, as if I'm working unto the Lord, I'm going to show them something today about the truth of God's word that they don't even know because I know it and I know what I'm supposed to do and I know what is best for me and I know how to live the abundant life in front of them that God said that, or that Jesus said that he came to give us. And so I'm going to live it out and I'm going to share with them and I'm going to talk with them and I'm going to communicate in certain ways with them so that I can teach them what it is that I have studied and I have applied and I know. We've got to share it, study it, practice it, share it. The very end of the, the verse 10, it says, or reading the whole thing again, this was because Ezra had determined to study and obey the law of the Lord and to teach those decrees and regulations to the people of Israel. And I think, personally, that the ultimate goal for Ezra was to get to this place of teaching and sharing. I've got to study it so that I know it. I've got to apply it to my life so that I'm living it out so that I can tell other people about it. So that I can show them and I can teach them and they can know what it is that I know. And we, we all know this. I just want to read the last verse because Jesus, man, we could never say this enough. That Jesus has commissioned us to do something. And he talks about making disciples and he talks about baptizing people and seeing these things happen. And then at the very end in verse 20 before he goes back to heaven, he says, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Teach them to obey all the commands that I have given you. And one of the places that uh, I felt like the Lord spoke to me that I want to share with you, one of the best places to begin to teach God's word is in your own home. What would our world look like if we were families that were studying and applying and teaching the word? That we were teaching it, that our marriages reflected God's word, our parenting reflected God's word, our kids reflected God's word, our relationships reflected God's word, the way that we operate, the way that we handle our finances, the way that we do everything, that it reflected what God's word said and that we were all about what God was about. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verses 18 and 19, I love these two verses, it says, So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine, tie them to your hands, and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. How many of you know that covers a lot of area? When you get up, 
When you go to bed, when you're at home, when you're driving down the road, when you're at work, like all of the places, all of the things, talk about these things when you're at home. Why? So that you can get it in you and your kids can get it in you and they, they know from a young age and you know in your marriage and you are operating from this place of we know what God's word says and we are applying what God's word says and we want to teach other people what God's word says so that we can change the world. And it says, Ezra, the hand of God was on him for this was because it was all because he studied he practiced and he taught it. He was, he was about, he had the perspective. He said, you know what? This is what I think God is about. This is what I think the most important thing is. And so I'm going to be about that. And God says, yes. I will honor that. I will bless that. My hand is on that. I will, I will equip you. I will give you the resources because you are about the things that I am about. You're about the things that I'm about. Will you stand to your feet today? Go ahead and bring the worship team back. So what are we going to do just looking back over this? We're going to inquire. We're going to search. We're going to seek. We're going to study the word of God. We're going to practice it. We're going to apply it to our lives because that's how it makes the difference and how we're equipped. Come on. That is so important for you to get that it says that God's word, he uses his word to equip you. To do the things that he has called you to do. How does he want to equip you? He wants you to be in the word. He wants you to know the word. That's how he's going to equip you for it. And we're going to share it and we're going to help others understand it. And I don't know if you know this or not. And I know we're ending a semester. And, but this is, this is what grow groups are all about. This is what groups are all about. This is why you hear us like every third week we're talking about grow groups. It's like you read something in God's Word, and you're like, yep, that's what grow groups are about. We need to study God's Word. We need to know. We need to apply. Yep, that's what grow groups are about. This is why we are continually telling you, you need to be in a group. And I know we're winding down a semester, and I encourage you, if you're in a group, finish strong. Finish strong. Don't walk away now. Finish strong. Strong. The way that you finish one thing is the way that you enter another. Finish strong. And then after the first of the year, we're going to kick off our spring semester of groups. And we're, this is where we dive into God's word. This is where, come on, we're learning. What does God's word say about parenting? What does God's word say about finances? What does God's word say about my marriage? What does God's word say about all of these different areas of my life so that you can be equipped from God's word? It's what he wants to use to equip you. And it's in there. It's in there. And God wants to speak to you through it. Come on, we're studying God's word. We're applying God's word. We're teaching God's word for marriages and finances and parenting and witnessing and sharing our story and our testimony and all of these things. And here's what I discovered as I read through this particular story in Ezra. And I'll end with this and I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to sing and, and be dismissed. But here's, here's what I discovered. I read through this story and I studied these things that Ezra did that he studied the word. He studied it so that he could know it. And he practiced and obeyed it so that he could grow in it. All so he could go and teach it to others. Does this sound familiar to anybody else? No, grow, 
go. He wanted to study it. I got to know that I know that I know. I want to know God. I want to know his word. I want to grow in it. I want to be equipped in it. I want to practice it so that I can grow my faith and I can grow my relationship with God. And I'm growing in the things that he's called me to do. All so that I can go and share it with somebody else and make a disciple out of somebody else and teach somebody else and live it out in front of my coworkers somewhere else down the road. God's trying to, come on, I believe that he sent you here today and you thought you were just coming to church, but he said, no, I'm trying to equip my people. They need to be in my word and they need to start applying it to their lives so that they can share it with other people. They can live it out in front of other people so that other people will come. Come on, the New Testament, it talks about, you know, living as children of the light and and doing good works so that people around you will see the things that you are doing because you're a follower of Jesus. And in turn, they will turn their heart to your father in heaven because of watching the way that you operated and lived your life. Come on, you got to know what God's word says about you and who you are and how you're supposed to live and and everything that you have access to so that you can live it out in front of other people and they can say wow I don't know what it is that you have in your life but can we talk about it I've been watching you for the last three years and now I'm like man I don't know I'm at the end of my rope but you seem like you always have hope can we talk about what it is that you have it's all because you have known and you've lived it out and you've applied it and now you're ready to go share it with somebody else when the opportunity presents itself it matters it matters and I know this man this is this is so practical but I just felt like coming out of going through an entire book of the Bible it was like we don't need to just be reading we need to know it we need to have it in us we need to write it it needs to be written on our hearts we need to be living it out every single day when you wake up how can I practice God's word today How can I practice? God, I know you're going to send somebody in my path today that needs to know you or that needs to see the way that I follow after you. And I pray that you would change their life because of the way that I live my life today and the way that I practice your word and I practice what I know. Come on, it matters. It matters. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? All because of this, the gracious hand of the Lord was on him and bring the prayer team down. I want to pray for you and then we're going to worship together and I want to give you an opportunity just like every single week where you can come down and receive prayer if you need prayer. So Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us and loving us enough to inspire people to write these things down, that you would preserve it for thousands of years and that we would bind it together and and be able to have this that we can open up and not just read it to check off a box, but to study it, to know it, to practice it so that it can change us from the inside out so that we can share it with other people and it can change them from the inside out. And so God, I pray that you would help us to do what we know we need to do. One of the things that you have called us to do. And Lord, I pray as we sing this song, I know that there are probably people in this room that are walking through something or struggling through something or need somebody to agree with them or they're believing for something and they need some encouragement. And Lord, I pray as we sing this last song, Holy Spirit, that you would just draw every single person today who needs prayer for anything in their life. In Jesus' name.